the fact that neither of them stood up for me and were like, come on guys. And they can see me in the room across. Like we were like 15 minutes away from each other. And the fact that Matt wouldn't just come in and go, Hey, hope you're okay. That was a disappointing part, I guess. Hello and welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart women who love dumb stuff. Today we're sitting down with Abby Chatfield, the 24-year-old runner-up on this year's season of The Bachelor. We wouldn't hop on a plane to Brisbane for just any Bachelor contestant, but we did that for Abby because we think her time in the public eye has been fascinating. Abby is considered one of the most controversial Bachelor contestants in history for one curious reason. Abby likes talking about sex. In fact, she was the first person to tell The Bachelor she wanted to have sex with him on camera. And while people like Zara and I found that amusing and refreshing, it is a reality dating show after all, and one where people have literally gotten engaged after a handful of weeks of knowing each other, many Australians disagreed with us and were not so welcoming of a woman openly embracing her sexuality on television. In fact, Abby quickly became derided for her physical interest in Matt by both the media and the general public. So, now that the dust has settled on her season and the barrage of criticism has died down a little, we wanted to ask Abby herself, what's it like to be slut-shamed by thousands of people at once? Here's Abby. Abby, welcome to Shameless In Conversations. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. We have been so excited to have you since you were on The Bachelor. It's taken us a little bit to get this together. Not too long, but enough time's passed. Yeah, it's not been too long at all. How are you going with everything? Let's start there. We don't usually start there, but let's start with how are you feeling? How are we going? I am so much better than I was even like the day after finale. I was so bad. All those interviews that I had, I was like not well at all. But when I got back to Brisbane, I was kind of like, oh, I have closure now. And I'm back to my normal life. Mm. And yeah, I'm feeling quite good actually, which is nice. So the first question we always ask people is what are you reading, watching or listening to that you would recommend to anyone listening to this? Okay. <laughs> oh no. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> okay. So during The Bachelor experience i was reading pachinko what have you read that no. no okay so i lost the book though while i was in there this is why i'm like during the time in there at hometowns i lost it it's basically about 1920s korea mm. during the japanese occupation and it's about a young girl who gets pregnant by an older japanese man and it's basically about how he has all this influence and then she ends up having to be hidden away it's this really interesting thing so that's a really good read haven't finished it <laughs> Good enough to get started. But we're starting Feminist Book Club again in my friendship group. So I need to probably post in Shameless podcast group about that. Abby, (laughs) the next question that we always ask our In Conversation guests is, what were you like as a kid? What was your childhood like? I grew up at the Gold Coast. I think I was just really loud. I wasn't really naughty. I have a single mum, which I spoke about on the show as well. And my dad left when I was quite small. So it was just myself, my mum, my sister. And... Yeah, it was pretty relaxed. Like, I can't ever remember being in trouble or doing anything naughty. And we moved up to Brisbane when I was eight. And then mum got remarried. And that was a disaster. And is kind of the reason why I um, had three jobs in grade 12 and everything like that. That doesn't sound like the easiest or most straightforward childhood. No, not at all. No. Mum is so great. And my sister and I are really close. And mum always worked really hard. She's a teacher. And she always worked really hard to be able to afford to send us to private school. So we got a really good education. 
both went to uni. My sister has a degree in fashion design. So everything's, I guess, worked out in the end. But from when I was in probably grade eight, there was this court case going on until hometowns. Wow. Yeah, that he was found not guilty. And I can't really talk about it because he's found not guilty, but there was a whole thing with money. And yeah, so basically it was like 10 years of a court case and that, and I had to work from like year eight. And I always did hectic hours after, after school. Like in grade 12, I was finishing, work, finishing school at 3.30 and then getting the bus to South Bank, which is like half an hour from my school, running to work, getting to work, finishing at 11, getting the 45-minute bus back to home. And then weekends were like 6 a.m. to 2 p.m., then like 4 to 11 and like an all-day Sunday shift. So it was like I miss out on so many things in grade 11 and 12. And that's kind of why I applied for The Bachelor, which is a weird come around. It's not a weird come around, I don't think, because that's what my next question was. How formative is that for you? I mean, you must miss out on a social life. You must feel like you miss out on a lot. Walk us through then coming to the point where you start applying. Like what's your mental process? What's your emotional process? And talk us through those things that you missed that may have led you to apply. Yeah, so my Tinder got blocked. Right. What, what do you mean your Tinder? How does your Tinder get blocked? Yeah, no, I don't know. I've gone on like two Tinder dates in my life. One went really well, dated the guy for six weeks. The other one was like a one-night stand. And and the things that people do on Tinder as well. I was going to say. I mean, lots of people don't get blocked who should get blocked on Tinder. <laughs> definitely get blocked. So I think maybe it was just weird guys reporting me for not replying, maybe, because I hadn't downloaded it in six months. But anyway, and then I was like, okay, well, Tinder's blocked, that's out. <laughs> and then I thought I'll apply for The Bachelor. So my roommate and I sat there that night and applied, and it was like the last week before that you could apply. And then I had an interview two days later, the audition two days later. Oh, my God. And I was the last audition in Australia. And then I got on. So it just kind of happened. That was in January. And then four weeks later, my medicals were all done. My psych test was all done. And then I was sort of like, do I actually want to do this? I'm 23. Like, this is the whole thing. I feel like anyone who says they apply for the show purely because they can't find a partner is just lying like I'm sorry like all those girls in there are beautiful young smart great but I was like you know I wouldn't mind dating someone and also I've missed out on so much in my life and the only real reason why I wouldn't do it was because of financial things or because of like oh well my work or I have to leave mum and I'd have to not see my sister and I kind of was just like I want to do something for me well, and that was it. Yeah, and that was it. And it would I be am. such a good experience, right? Mm. I know. I mean, everyone goes on and be like, I'm just here for love. But the experience is why you're all probably here. Of course you want to find love. Of course you want to find a partner. But it's a cool thing to do and to turn back on in 20 years' time and be like, hey, I went on the biggest show in Australia. Oh, my God, yeah. And even just – even if you're on for one night, you're like, oh, it'll be a bit of a laugh, won't it? Like going on, getting in a fun dress and meeting all these women – meeting a guy you might like. At the end of the day, we know there's only going to be one person that wins. Mm. You're not like... <laughs> the odds are against you. The odds you. are definitely against you, as I found out. And I I was open to liking Matt, but I didn't think that I would like the person. Like my mum, my sister, all my friends were like, you're not going to like the person that cast at The Bachelor. <laughs> and I was like, no, I won't. But like, we'll see how it goes. I may as well try because I've had horrible ex-boyfriends before. And everyone was like, just let them choose for you for once. Like give someone else some power because you have really poor taste. <laughs> and then I haven't told Matt this. Like this is the thing that annoys me as well about me being manipulative to Matt or lying to him. I told him all of this. I was like, oh, I applied for a laugh because I got on. I was like, I may as well do it. And I explained the whole, that's when the free jobs and mum thing came up on that day. I told him that I applied just because 
like why not and I didn't think that I would like him and then actually liking him that's why I think it hit me so hard when I didn't end up with him because I was like oh no 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 but I actually (laughs) but I actually do want this what if anything did you love about being on the show I think I just like the crew the most like I loved the crew I really bonded with our minders the producers hair and makeup because obviously I didn't have that many friends (laughs) so yeah talk us through that not many friends side of things what happened there? Because obviously viewers are going to get one version of things mm. in that a lot of women in the house had a bone to pick with you. Mm. It was never super clear what the bone was. It was typically just phrased as Abby's not here for the right reasons. And that was it. What's your take on that? Why do you think there was these little spot fires coming up all the time with other girls? It's really interesting because I kind of felt like I was always – not really part of things from the start like just little things even before the kiss of the cocktail party I guess that's when it kind of started but before that everyone would come down and be ready for the cocktail parties and everyone else would be like oh my god you look beautiful Sigan you look beautiful um Eleanor you know like to everyone and then no one would ever say it to me and someone in crew noticed it and I was like no it's fine like I just don't look very nice <laughs> I was like oh no it's all right so then I don't I like, I don't want to say it was jealousy, but I don't know if they just didn't like that I was so young because the other two young girls there were Rachel and Vaco. And I don't think that they saw Rachel and Vaco as contenders, really, for whatever reason. And then after the kiss in the orchard, that obviously blew everything up. and Everyone was mad at me for that. And it was really weird watching it back because I thought that the issue started after I told Matt about the dog C-word thing. Mm. A but- true highlight in Australian <laughs> bachelor history. What did we call it on the podcast? I've already forgotten. Oh, I can't even remember. A cupcake. A dog. dog. Yeah, a dog because it's like obviously we, we are pretty like free with our swear words, but I feel like we draw the line at cupcake. I we draw like the line at cupcake for sure. It's a good line to be drawn. Um, and <laughs> the two rules mum gave me for the show were to not say the C word and not show my nipples. And I did both. So like... <laughs> Good on me and Matt was... Look, if you're going to break one rule, break them both. <laughs> For listeners who may not have watched every episode of the show, can you walk us through that orchard thing that might you think might have set things off that kiss? Yeah, so we had this photo shoot, as you always do, and there was obviously a few like up-close moments with Matt. And the thing is, I got to watch every single photo shoot, so I saw everyone else get that close with him. I saw everyone else do the same stuff that I was doing. But because my shot had porn music over it, it looked like I was like being this like siren, like trying to get in, but it's like everyone else was doing that. So that's when everyone started to, I guess, talk about me, as you saw in with Sagan and Mary and everyone. And then that night at the cocktail party, there was a like a survivor style voting situation where they put Sagand and me up against each other and at the time Sagand and I were really good friends and I was saying to the girls like obviously the always showed was reasons why I want to win because people say tell us the reasons why you want to get voted into C Matt but I was <laughs> hmm, like, such a pickle how do I articulate I, this like, how not sounding psycho and then I was mostly just like, guys, I hate this. Like, I'm friends with Sagan. I don't want to start this weird women against women thing. Like, I was like, had my feminist flag flying the entire time and I never showed any moments of it. Then I ended up getting time with Matt and then we kissed in the orchard after I said that I wouldn't kiss him. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the world's going to end. I mean, <laughs> did you feel lonely in the house? Yeah, I was super lonely. The day after that cocktail party when I kissed him, everyone was kind of avoiding me. Sagan even said to me, no one wants to speak to you right now. And that was when the the dog cupcake word thing was said around the pool about 
Matt being that because he kissed me. Like some girls were saying they weren't mad at me, they were mad at Matt for not putting in enough effort to kiss me as though I needed to be taken on a single date first oh, for me to kiss him. They're concerned for you. Oh, they're really concerned for me, yes. But what about this idea of girl code? You know, it comes up a lot. Even on The Bachelorette, it comes up as, like, guy code or whatever. Like, have the people's back around you. You're the mm. ones you're living with. What do you think about that? Because it just seems absurd that you need to respect the wishes and not kiss this guy you're meant to date because of 20 other women who are also trying to date the same guy. Like, did that girl code thing come up as much in the house amongst you guys as it did on TV and it does on TV? I think it did behind my back. I don't really see the point in girl code. I feel like we should just all live by a normal, like, human code and just be (laughs) nice to each other. Like, why be like, well, the girls don't want this. We're also in a competitive environment where you're trying to date a man, like – this stupid cliche, but like, I'm not here to make friends. Like I have enough friends at home who were great and I've come here and I'm taking three months out of my life to date this man. And after you, I've been isolated in the house, why would I put all of you above me? Mm. Like, why would I, if you guys are saying all these things in interviews and boxes, all of you are saying things about me to Matt, you're all sitting around the house when I'm on a date talking about me. Why would I then let you step in front of me to date someone that I'm falling in love with? I don't understand it. So, I am curious, Abby, moving away from the girls for just a second. Mm. I think we might come back to them. One thing that I thought when I was watching you and Matt together is that he wouldn't be so affectionate with someone that he doesn't choose. So in my head, when I was watching some of these scenes with the two of you, I was thinking, like, it has to be Abby. Abby has to win because no man would go on national television and literally roll around on a beach with a girl that he doesn't pick at the end. Surely he'd be thinking about this and be that's acting a in a way bit of foresight that's think. in line. Yeah, yeah. He chose at hometowns apparently, so that's good. Did you ever think that when you were being so affectionate and so physical with each other, did it ever occur to you that it wouldn't be you? Because logically you would think that you are the obvious choice if he's behaving that way. Yeah, so I guess it's hard to say because at the time I thought that everyone was doing this with their dates. I thought everyone was having a beach hump. I thought everyone was just going for it because you don't know what other girls are doing and because past hometowns were separated so we don't get to talk to other girls at all. I think it is really disappointing obviously watching back knowing that he wasn't doing it with the other girls and seeing him in interviews now saying that he had decided by hometowns. I mean, don't talk to me off camera. Like you have the option to not speak to me off camera. And I actually said that at finale. They didn't show this, but I said to him, you shouldn't have acted like that off camera last night. Cause I was with him the night before my date was a day before it wasn't, it was switched around. Right. So I don't understand why he did that he didn't need to do that on camera I'm like whatever because that's the point of the show I'm not going to be like you let me on when we did this um, on the beach on camera it's off camera stuff that I'm sort of just like why why at 10pm the night before finale are you saying the exact same things you were to me on camera off camera so off camera he was just as affectionate just as loving just as adoring yeah like crew would laugh because they'd be like, oh, stop. <laughs> like, because they'd have to stand next to us. So we're like pashing the night before. Did you ever ask him, like, is it me? No, I was so scared of him. I was so scared of him. Like, kind of by the end, I top three dates, I was like so comfortable, obviously. Finale, I went back to like first date vibes. I was so scared. I was like scared to tell him anything negative. Like, as you saw, I didn't tell him about the Kate thing because I was like... What's the point at this point? Mm. For those who are listening who aren't across it, Kate is Matt's best friend. You and Kate did not get along too well. No, 
no, Kate and I weren't the best of friends. Um, I wasn't happy about it in the interview, as we saw. That also was curious to me. When you were doing the interview about Kate, did you already know that you weren't going to be picked at the end? No, because that was before my no, – no, I don't think so. I think I was really – I cried the whole way home from that from that meeting the friends thing. I was so angry that she had the audacity to question my age when it's like, I'm still here. Like, mm. stop asking about my age. And the marriage and kids thing had been settled with Matt and I like a month before this and he'd asked me every time he saw me about marriage and kids. And I was just sort of like, after hometowns, just, just drop it. And when I got back to talk to – Kate and Jason and Matt, Matt was like happy that I got into roasting and that I seemed a little bit upset. And I thought it was really unfair because my hometown was just everyone being obsessed with him. Mm. And then he was happy that I got some sort of roasting from his friend. And yeah, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I just can't. <laughs> By the time the show started to air and you have to relive everything again, did you make a decision to watch every episode? Yeah, I watched every episode, didn't watch any alone. It was I it was actually fine. It's strange, like my emotions mirrored exactly every cocktail party. Like episode one and two, I was just like laughing at myself. And then three and four, when things started to get a bit weird with Sagand and the girls, I was just upset, sad, and like felt really angry at the girls. And I wasn't really thinking about Matt. And then every time I have a single date, I'd have feelings for Matt. So it was like by finale, after I sent that video, when I was drunk (laughs) into the podcast group, I was absolutely back to being in the headspace of being in love with him. So yeah, it's a strange, it's strange the way it mirrors. I didn't think it would. Coming up after the break, some thoughts on shame and how Abby will continue to reject it. But first, a word from today's sponsor. Did it feel like being bullied by the girls? Yeah, but we couldn't use that word. so They wouldn't let you use that word? I just think I, – I, I didn't want to use that word because I didn't want it to seem like I was a victim. Yeah. And I thought my edit was going to be everyone was going to be annoyed at me for being this – like because I would cry every single day, like every interview, every Voxy. Like there were multiple Voxies that I couldn't use because I was sobbing so hard. They were just saying like, we, like we can't. Like, sobbing about the treatment from the girls or sobbing about the like overwhelming experience? Just miscellaneous things. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, just like, oh, Kate's here. Oh, Sagan has said another thing about me. Ellie said another thing about me. Matt has asked me again about the marriage and kids thing. When Laura and Snez came, the producer asked me if I was wondering what it was like to be pregnant or something. Like, it was, like, just, like, a general, like, oh, like, isn't it nice to see Snez and Laura pregnant? Wouldn't it be mm. nice to be pregnant with someone you love? And because I had an abortion last year, I decided, like, sobbing. So it was, like, I would just cry at random things. How did they respond to that? Did they know that you had had that abortion? Did you tell them in that moment? Did you say, this is why I don't want to talk about this? The producers didn't know. And they were lovely. And they stopped the interview then because I was crying again. <laughs> I would cry every time. So, yeah. And you told Matt about the abortion. Is that right? Yeah. I told Matt about the abortion after the moving date when it was brought up again about the marriage and kids thing. So the things that were brought up were that I was there for a social profile for Bachelor in Paradise and the marriage and kids thing. But I was just sort of like, I'm so sick of having to justify why I haven't been so screaming from the rooftops. I want kids with this woman in this house. And why I'm a bit hesitant to say that I want children because I've had an abortion a year ago. And I think at that time, I felt very guilty for saying that I wanted kids because I'd aborted one 
in March last year. So once I said that to him, I whispered it to him and then his producer didn't hear me and said, Abby, you're going to have to say it out loud. And then I turned around and looked dead in the camera and said, I had a fucking abortion last year. Okay. They were all. So they wanted to use it. They were going to use it for TV or no? No, I don't think they actually heard me because I whispered in his ear like, they thought it was about the girls. I mean, saying something about another girl. And they were great. The editing sucks, whatever, but making a dramatic show. The crew that were on set always took such good care of me. Like, such good care of me. So after that, I went went and like sobbed on that bed in the fetal position, like scream crying. And. I was like, I'm going to leave if I can't see Matt. So then Matt came in and got me and we had a bit of a chat and then he was like, I'm dropping it. Why do you think that there was such like a visceral emotional reaction for you in that moment? Do you think it was just that guilt? Do you think that you hadn't dealt with it properly? What was it? Have you tried to reflect and sort of almost self-analyze about your reaction to having that conversation on the show? Yeah, I think it is a guilt. It is a guilt thing still. Like after I had my abortion, I was in a very deep depression for like three weeks after. And my boyfriend at the time was literally the worst. He went out the night that um, I had my abortion because he wanted to be with the boys and have a few drinks, even though I was like, holding onto his shirt being like, please don't leave me. And then he told me in the weeks afterwards that I wasn't fun anymore. So that was like a whole experience in itself. And then bringing it up with Matt, being embarrassed, being ashamed, being scared that he would think differently of me, as well as being so exhausted of explaining why I haven't said that I want to have kids. Like, to these girls, like I never said that I didn't, but I wasn't being like, I can't wait to have babies because nine months before I'd aborted one and I felt guilty. So, And also the fact that I'd said it on camera and I wasn't sure if they were going to use it. Yeah, it was, it was lots of little things. And I was just, this is two months in. Like, you're just, you're on edge at all times. You've had no contact with anyone except for hit phone calls here and there. Yeah, it was just a really emotionally intense experience. What makes you want to talk about your abortion publicly today? I feel like, because at the time I was begging producers to not include it, but I think that being on The Bachelor has made me grow so much and even during airing. And I just think that in the house, I I told the girls about my abortion and I, I kind of did it in a way that was to, because I don't want other women to feel ashamed for having abortions. And I feel like it was sort of used against me. And other things that I told them in the media were used against me. And I just don't want other, sorry. Don't be sorry. I just don't want other women to, um, like I want, the, the Bachelor is just this perfect, like these perfect women on this perfect show and everything's happy and great and you're just falling in love and it's this easy stuff. But it's not easy and I just want people to know that like, a lot of women have abortions and whether or not you know they have abortions or not, it's okay. And I just don't want people to be shamed for that or feel internal shame and maybe someone who's kind of in the public eye saying they've had an abortion and that it's okay will help them. And Abby, I think the incredible thing about this is that people have tried to put shame on you already. Mm. And I think the fact that you can come out and say that and say, I reject that shame, I won't take it on, is so powerful. Mm. Because since this show, I think, yeah, you've had people who have try to dump shit on you and you've had people who have tried to give you all this ridiculous hate mm. and criticism. But as much as that's come, so many women have also come to have your back and kind of held your hand and stood with you. That's been so brilliant to see, the sisterhood that has emerged from you mm. and that's from you coming out and you being proud of your story and telling everyone else they can fuck off with all the shame <laughs> they want to put on you. It's true, you've got to rise above it first for everybody else to come with you. Have you felt that ever since the show? Yeah, so much. Ever since I 
so I was still getting like abusive messages until finale night. And then after finale, when I started doing all my interviews on Friday and then I made that post about slut shaming and that other post about editing photos and everything. Most people are just messaging me really nice things now, which is so, so good. And I think that's also why I feel okay to talk about my abortion now with you guys because it's a safe space. Yeah. And it's and your like, terms, right? Yeah, exactly. And I just think that, you know, people are kind of getting to see their actual me and that I'm an actual person rather than this weird edited like caricature of a person on this show that is what two hours a week and I got even though I got the most screen time I was like half an hour a week going personality Mm. so on the topic of shame and slut shaming in Mm. particular Mm. do you think Australia has a continued problem with women who embrace their sexuality oh absolutely and I said this on the project that I didn't really realize until this aired because my friends are all feminists and my family all a feminist and I didn't really realize people still thought this way I thought it was very 2007 and then (laughs) (laughs) flashback to Kevin (laughs) Kev comes out but I really thought not that it was dumb but I didn't think that it would be to this degree and I think it's the reason why a lot of people thought that I was manipulative I thought that I was like teasing him my sexuality people thought that I must be dumb or I must be mean or I must be all these negative things if I'm sexual, I have this connotation with it. I don't know. I don't know what the problem is. I truly, I think I've gotten so far in my thinking of not such shaming that I actually can't comprehend what the issue is with liking sex. I don't, I don't understand it. I'm not it. Were you surprised with the edit around that? Like not just, I mean, we've spoken about the public reaction mm. to it, but were you surprised that that's the kind of box that they wanted to put you in? Um, I was I was pretty surprised because it was weird that I was like sexy and confident because I was the most insecure person on that show. Chelsea and I called ourselves the worthless two. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah, literally after that final rose ceremony, we were like, Matt, like you've made a mistake. You've got the worthless two in your top two, babe. Like Chelsea and I were really close and watching it back and this edit of me being like this confident, cocky, sexy bitch was so weird because I felt so insecure and so weird all the time being filmed and so nervous about whether or not Matt liked me. Like every time Eleanor would have to G me up before a rose ceremony and be like, if you go home, I'm going to eat this fake flower arrangement. Like she's like, no, like every time. So yeah, it was a really, it was a really weird thing to see my like normal lived experiences played back with porn music behind them and been like, okay, that's sexy now. Particularly when the contrast of, my kiss in the orchard and Eleanor's kiss in the orchard. Now, Eleanor, I are very good friends, but like my kiss got that eighties porno music and like, it's like a round. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then like, forgive salsa. me. It's yeah. fucking weird. It was but, fucking weird. It was like, I was like slithering. out yeah. of like, <laughs> like the bushes in the orchard. Coming like, to get him. <laughs> I am a snake. Literally, I'm a snake. And then, so we're both wearing red. We're both in red dresses, wearing red lipstick. The same thing happens. His glasses fog up, red lipstick, Eleanor, exact same thing. I get attacked, abused by the Australian public for being a slut and for fucking, for kissing him at a cocktail party, how dare I, all the other girls. Eleanor does it and gets wifey music. She got fairy tale music. Mm. Yeah. And <laughs> and it's funny. And it's like, oh, my hair's lipstick over his face. How funny. And like, that's the edit that both of us should have gotten. I'm not saying that Eleanor shouldn't have gotten that, but yeah. I should not have gotten this sex villain music that I got when I, I would sip a glass of wine. I got sex villain music. <laughs> or a snake. Or a 
Let me have like, my wine in I'm peace. Like, Let me have my one per second one hour. Like I literally would like have a sip of I noticed so many times I would blink and I'd be like <laughs> like like I'm coming out of like the bushes to like get the girls. Like Abby, this is the thing, right? In that Every season of The Bachelor, I feel like on podcasts like this, people come out and analyze it and go, how do we all fall for it? What the fuck? But again and again and again, we all do fall for it, particularly the media, I would say, this time around. I know you just mentioned the project, and I really loved when you went on the project, actually. But on finale night, they called you a thirsty hornbag. Did you watch that? I didn't watch it. I was – yeah, I didn't watch it live, but I did see – the, the cut yeah. on on Facebook or something. Why do you, um, why do you think something like the project? Because I love the project. I love it. It's one of my favorite pieces of media. Oh. It's very progressive, very intelligent. But that clip was so fucking slut shamey. This wasn't like Sky News. This was the project, and they were slut shaming you. What did you make of that? I honestly didn't. I didn't get it. I didn't know why they decided to do that. It felt like the entire time they were. It was being led up to being like Chelsea. Oh, like like um, Jason said, Chelsea's wife and Abby's like slutty girlfriend. Like that's all it was. And then for them to kind of put that kind of nail in the coffin, it was disappointing. I maybe it was meant to be funny. When I heard that, I was just like, like because they gave Chelsea 10. some type of label as like wife material or something. I believe. I don't know what Which is Chelsea interesting did. that if you embrace your sexuality, you can't be wife material. No, even though that's the one <laughs> defining factor or one of the major <laughs> defining factors of a romantic relationship. Um, <laughs> so true. you don't want to fuck your wife? Like, I don't understand. Like, I actually don't get Celibacy. it. Celibacy. <laughs> like, it's a Madonna whore complex that Australia has and it was the epitome of Madonna whore at the end. Mm. And I, I remember I said to someone at the start, I was like, after the Orchard thing, I was like, this is getting revved up so that it's Madonna whore. This is, this is going to happen. Everyone was like, no, 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 that's not going to happen. Like, they can't do that. You're like, no. And they got to the end and it was just so, it was so clear and everything that was in the media, everything that was um, on the show, it was just like Chelsea's worthy because she hasn't grinded, like grinded? Yeah, grinded. <laughs> she hasn't grinded. We'll go with grinded. She hasn't grinded him on a beach and because Abby is horny and wants to sleep with someone she's dating, then she isn't worthy of love. What a slut. <laughs> what a fucking whore. Speaking of the mainstream media, the, the day after the finale aired, I remember there was this clip of you in at Nova and you were being interviewed live on air. And as you were being interviewed li- live on air, Matt and Chelsea walk behind the window. And I can't remember who was interviewing you, but they turn to you and say, oh, look at that. What Matt, a quinky dink. Matt and Chelsea zoo. are right behind you while we're out on air. And you hadn't seen Matt and since he broke up with you. And then that video was almost used as like a punchline that day. It was went viral. There were articles about it. How did it feel in that moment when you're already incredibly vulnerable, you're expected to do a full day of press when you mm. are at a very low point to then feel like your heartbreak is like the butt of somebody else's joke? Yeah, it was really horrible. So 10 minutes before that, I'd been on the phone to Carl Sandilands. That was immediately after that phone call when he was telling me about the first time that Chelsea and I had sex. Yeah, that was also so fucked. That, yeah, that was also fucked. Are we surprised, Carl Sandilands? I mean, it was going quite well until that happened. But so this is like one after the other. So I was, I just stopped crying from that. And then I walk in and I'm like, okay, one more radio interview. It's fine. And that happens. And... Because they purposely did that. Surely they purposefully manipulated it so that they put you in a studio side by side. I mean, I don't, I don't know. People have, ugh, I, I'll say I it. I'll, I'll say, say it. You don't need to. Think of the camera angle as well. That has to be a very particular camera that's set up to catch the side of your face and then walk. Were you in the Sydney side. or Melbourne? 
Sydney. Sydney has a bunch of studios at every mainstream radio station and they would know exactly where every person is in every mm. studio that day that would have been planned. Yeah. At the end of the day, this is what, like, similar to the fact we're making a show, right? Whatever, they want to get clicks. Like, I can I can cop it. When I watched what Chelsea and Matt had said and when they were laughing about Matt bolting when he saw me, I was so angry. I was like, Chelsea gets nervous and like I love her and maybe she was just laughing at it because she got giggly but like the fact that neither of them stood up for me and were like come on guys and they can see me in the room across like we were like 15 minutes away from each other and the fact that Matt wouldn't just come in and go hey hope you're okay that was a disappointing part I guess must be incredibly disappointing and how do you get closure from something like this I think I got it from that because I was so mad at him. I was like, that, like, you're not the person that I thought you were. If, if I was Bachelorette and I saw my, my runner-up in a radio studio, I would ask the publicist, like, does she want to speak? Does he want to speak to me? Do, do they want to have an interaction with me? I would have said yes and would have been, I hope you well. I'm sorry. Awesome. Have a good one. Bye. Hey, Chelsea, see you in a few weeks. That's all it would have been. But the fact that it was avoided, I was just like, you're just but it's not even just avoiding it it's mocking you on air it's laughing about it and laughing about the fact that I'm by myself doing press all day and they're walking around getting praised for how amazing their relationship is which it is but I'm then by myself my publicist it was really hard but I think I'm glad it happened because I was just like you know what don't like you biggest blessing in disguise biggest blessing I also um yeah, I also I have a few reasons why I'm glad I didn't win. Um, Care to share? If you'd more? like to hear them, I've thought about this a lot. Yes, yeah, <laughs> I, love, I love it's like. So this is the work I've done. <laughs> I have some notes, girls. Um, no, well, I don't think anyone's ever really spoken about this, but I've thought about this a lot, and I thought about this in the house as well. In the fear of winning, is that there's this inherent power dynamic in a relationship like that, and I feel like if I had won because I've had abusive boyfriends before. I would have just fallen back into this thing of like, not that Matt's abusive at all, but like this dynamic where it's like you're trying to impress the other person all the time. It's like you picked me, so I need to live up to your expectations. Yes. And like, I know that Matt is not a person at all, but you just feel this way. For three months, you're conditioned to feel like all you need to do is make this man love you. And getting out of that, you don't stop. You don't just go, okay, we're fine now. Like you go, okay, now he's the most wanted man in Australia everyone thinks he's hot and smart and amazing and funny which he is but you have to keep that while also undercover and then for years afterwards under pressure from the media so I literally can't comprehend how Chelsea Matter doing this right now because it seems so difficult also Kate that's my reason <laughs> I, like, I was like wait what all right of course how do you go with the people from the show I know that you're friends with the minders and some of the producers mm. but what about the girls on the show, the women on the show, and Matt. I'm guessing Matt, no contact. So I talked to Eleanor quite a bit, even though we had, like, some weird stuff at the start. And everyone was like, why are you guys friends? Like, we're very good friends. Mm. I really like Eleanor. Ellie and I have messaged quite a bit. Chelsea and I message. Tattoo Jess. Oh, yes. Love her. She's, like, a feminist queen. She's so smart, so funny. She's fantastic. Love her. Have you had any of the girls after the show seeing how it was edited and seeing the backlash towards you. Mm. Have any of the girls changed their mind and gone, you know what? We treated you like shit. No. Eleanor and I sorted things out before it went to air. Cause I went and saw her in Perth and Eleanor, whatever. Actually, Ellie messaged me and said, sorry for 
telling Matt or something, which was nice. At least, you know, we're fine. But other than that, I don't really speak to any of them. Really? You didn't go there to make friends. I didn't go to make friends. Well, I have so many friends. Like, I, like <laughs> I'm, I'm well, full. I'm full. I'm <laughs> sorry, girls. Like, <laughs> Do you have any regrets about going on the show, being on the show, about the whole experience? Not really. I mean, I was just myself. Part of me wishes that at finale I'd had a more eloquent response. <laughs> you were so <laughs> great at finale. Oh, I wish that I Your played. eyes were ice cold. <laughs> yeah, that's all you need, some ice cold eyes. <laughs> and the scoff when yeah. he was talking. Like, yeah. I just, I could Because I honestly thought it was me, obviously. So my producer had been like, okay, if it's you, what are you going to say? If it isn't you, what are you going to say? And I was like, I mean, like, I don't really want to plan. I just want to see how we go. And she was really good and really – she did as much as she could, but I was very stubborn. I was like, I mean, we can – I mean, whatever. I might ask him why. And that's why I was just like, why? Why? Because that's all I had planned. That's the only regret I have, really. I think that maybe if I did it again, I wouldn't um, tell Matt about the dog cupcake thing. Not because I felt like it was the wrong thing to do, but because it just – it made everything else snowball. It, yeah, I was going to say it, it was a snowball. Reason. It brought a lot of drama into your life. Yeah, and I, don't, and I think selfishly I'd want to not say it to him because I wouldn't – want all that drama again Mm. but at the end of the day the way that i thought about it was if i was a bachelorette and one of the guys was sitting around the pool being like she's a fucking slut or something like that like what they were doing to ali last year i'd be like please tell me you obviously have no respect to me as a person we cannot finish this interview without asking you the question about the (laughs) news story of the week around you which is what is the deal with you and todd (laughs) Give us the tea. Do you love him? <laughs> I love him. Um, I mean, <laughs> so Todd obviously stood up for me a lot online, which was lovely. And we've hung out a few times. Todd, for those unfamiliar, was from Ali Ochen season and he was the shine- knight in shining armour was mm, what he came out Knight in shining runner-up. Yeah. yeah. Sad. He's so beautiful though. Rest in peace. He's really um, attractive, the work Abby. Really attractive, really funny, really smart. Lives in Perth. Lives in Perth, which is sad. Probably not. We'll see. Time will tell. It was in Perth. Everyone's saying that we're dating. We're not officially dating. We're just he. You're hanging out. Yeah, he was in Brisbane, and we went to the beach. Had a fun time. He's really hot. He's. You're 23. 24 now. 24 now, guys. On the big two four. Happy birthday for whenever it was. But he he's also like a very um, he's a non-performative feminist, which is so good. He's like very supportive and like because he grew up with five sisters. And his mum's lovely. So it's like, he's just... How was that little drop? His mum is lovely. <laughs> I've met the family. Oh, no. <laughs> I haven't met the family. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the Daily Mail will love that. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> How to hand them headlines. Jesus Christ. But yeah, so he's cool. I guess time will tell. I also How many dates wanna... have there been, Abby? Give us like a number. A few. A f- handful. A handful of dates. Handful but they've got to be pretty between... serious dates because you're travelling across the country. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but I get staff travel. But I get, like, really cheap flights. Okay. So it's still, so it's still hours. Deal. Yeah, six hours of my life. Six hours of your life. But what's six hours in the grand scheme of for life? For a night in shiny armour. I know. I know. In the quest for love. Abby, what is it? thank you so much for your time. Also for speaking about things that weren't probably particularly easy for you to talk about today, but we so appreciate that you spoke to us about them and felt safe enough to speak about them here. And congratulations on it all. I know that's a weird way to put it, but the way that you've dealt with everything since the show has aired has been very remarkable to see. I don't think you could teach that in a publicity class. Oh. Not that it has been publicity, but a really good training ground for just standing up for yourself, I think. Thank 
cute. That's so nice. I don't know what to say. <laughs> no, you're an actual delight. And we're really, really grateful that you shared what you shared with us today. Because I think our community has really rallied behind you. And we're happy to see that because I just think it's good to call shit out for what it is and I think what happened to you was blatant slut shaming and I think the more that we can identify that with future seasons of things like The Bachelor or other reality shows the better yeah I think so as well thank you so much for having me keep on keep popping up in our Facebook group oh I will <laughs> more videos please more drunken videos reality check yes yes I'll be in there I'll be a top fan <laughs> <laughs> thank you Abby Thank you so much for listening to this In Conversation episode of Shameless with Abby Chatfield. If you loved Abby, please do go follow her on Instagram at Abby Chatfield. But before I give you the spiel on where to follow us, you would have heard that Abby mentioned Reality Check at the very end of that chat there. That is actually the name of our brand new podcast launching tomorrow morning. Zara, what on earth is Reality Check? Well, we know how much you guys love reality television content, so we've made a podcast recapping the very best trashy shows that young (laughs) women are talking about. To kick us off, Michelle, we are obviously starting with Love Island Australia. Absolutely, we are. Every Friday for the next six weeks, our resident reality TV obsessives, Annabelle and Maeva, are going to deep dive on the week that was, covering the highbrow and the lowbrow content, because it is all equal, Zara. It is all equal. Think of Reality Check as the podcast for women who love the Bachelor, but won it with a side of the Bechdel test. Search for Reality Check in your favorite podcast app now and click subscribe so you can be the first to listen as soon as it drops. Until then, if you want to chat about anything that we covered in this interview with Abby, please do come into our Facebook group. It is called Shameless Podcast Community. If this is the first time you've listened to Shameless, click subscribe if you're on Apple Podcasts or if you're on Spotify, click follow and you will be notified whenever a new episode of Shameless drops. We interview Bachelor contestants and reality stars and influencers and media personalities every week. So you will probably love the other interviews we do as well. Join our Facebook group. Follow us on Instagram. We're on there at Shameless Podcast. Other than that, we will be back in your ears on Monday. Bye, guys. Oh, hi. It's Annabelle Lee and Louis Hansen here. We are your hosts of Everybody Has a Secret. Woo! Woo! We are here essentially just to let you know that we drop episodes every week. Now, every damn Friday morning, we are in your ears. That is so exciting. What a time <laughs> to be in your ear holes. So essentially, each episode, we unpack the real life secrets of our listeners. So this is for everyone who loves, you know, just a little bit of gossip in mm-hmm. their lives, which let's be real, Annabelle, is all of us. It's absolutely all of us. Don't lie. You all love gossip. So if you want to listen to to our show, please do head to your favourite podcast app and listen now. See you there. Bye.